we're doing this series on the book of Romans. Did you know he's not mad? Oh, he hates your sin. He hates my sin. Oh, pastor, you don't have any sin. Every stinking day of my life I deal with it. And if you don't, we'll pray for a liar. Come on up. (laughs) Folks, it is life. It is life. But Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I came to set the captive free. Oh, thank you, Lord. I just, man, I just, I just felt this overwhelming weight. And hopefully whoever you were or whoever you, those were, just, just let it go. Jesus died for it. Jesus died for it. Who the heck do you think you are hanging on to it? Well, you say, Pastor, it's just not... Uh, that's the devil talking to you. It's really easy. You let it go. I do it every day in my life. I was late getting here today because I ran into somebody at a store that had an issue. And I was part of the issue. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know what I do? I hug them, I love them, and I let it go. If you ever want to check close, there are no nail prints. That means I'm far from perfect. (laughs) Okay, let's go home. (laughs) Oh, I just, uh, sweet presence of God in this place. Sweet presence of the Lord. So if you have your your phones, I, you know, I hate doing this, but it's, it's so pertinent to this hour. Check in. Let everybody know you're here. Check into your Facebook page or to your wherever your page. Uh, Yap. What do they call it? Yap? Yelp. Uh, no, I was thinking of, a, I was thinking of the, the chat thing. What's it called? Yeah, Yap. That's what I said. But it's not Yap. It's, but it is a Yap place, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and you know, I was telling Bob, I said, how do we get people to start talking about our church? You talk about everything. And yes, I'm talking to you. You talk about everything on Facebook. How do you know? Because I watch. <laughs> See, I have this, this method to my madness of becoming your friend on Facebook. <laughs> Not really. But I do. I see people talk about everything. You know, talk about the Bible study. Talk about the church. Talk about how awesome it is, okay? Just don't talk about how bad it is, okay? If it's awesome, I'm Pastor Tim. If it's horrible, I'm Pastor Philemon. Okay, just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Pastor Philemon's not here, so I can say that. I could have said Pastor Ray, because Pastor Ray's not here either. They're both out of town, okay? But uh, seriously, talk about it. Your friends talk about what you talk about. So guess what? If you're talking about Jesus, they're going to start saying, What's happening with this, with this Gail chick back here? She's talking about Jesus. Is there something about Gail we don't know? Or Laura, what about her? She's talking about you. Okay, Brandy. You, you know, talk about the church. Talk about, uh, you know, not so much the church, but you're going to sign into the Victorious Life thing, but talk about the Bible study. Talk about the messages. Talk about what God is doing. But sign into your... To your uh, uh, yeah thank you whatever it's called um, praise God if you got your notes we got notes in the back there for, for this is uh, the book of Romans part 2 I'm going to give a bunch of scripture here and then we're going to get into stuff 
uh, that's not even in your notes. People say, Pastor, why do you even put the notes together? Because I put them together as a structure to follow, but I try to allow the Holy Spirit to lead. How many think that's a pretty good thing? Okay, so Bill Weaver, Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Uh, Carolyn Montiel, uh, Titus 3, 5. Uh, Bob Hurst, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, Jack Klaus, Romans 4, 1 through 3. Um, um, Mrs. Remlin. Mrs. Remlin, Judy. Julie. Okay, that's close. Julie, uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Okay, and we'll, we'll do that right now. We're in number one of part two. So if you have your notes, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> I am such a spoiled pastor. People see me holding my coffee and not drinking it. They know that means it's cold. I like hot coffee. I don't like cold coffee. Okay, and so there's nothing wrong with cold coffee. I just don't like it. And so when they see me holding my cup for any time, somebody will bring me a cup. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. And anybody else that does that, thank you. Okay, uh, Romans, Roman number one in part two of the series, okay, part two of the series uh, that we, uh, um, in your notes, um, do you have your notes there? Yeah. Is it Roman numeral two? Let me see. Oh, actually, that's a typo. <laughs> yeah, that should be Roman numeral one, and then the three should be two, and the one on the back should be three. So you can fix that if you like. It's actually Roman numeral two, and it's in your one, God's righteousness revealed in Christ. So that should actually be Roman numeral one. It says two on your notes, and that was a typo I did not catch. Righteousness is not of ourselves. It is a gift. It is a gift. Are you with me? It is a gift. How do we receive the gift? By grace. Okay, I, we spent all last week saying that. How do we receive the gift? By grace, through faith. There was a righteousness of God revealed. We're going to read that in just a second in, first, in Romans 1 16. Okay? By grace, through faith. Okay? God's grace was revealed, His righteousness was given through Christ Jesus our Lord, and it's by faith in Christ, okay? By, uh, by grace, through faith, that we are righteous. So Bob's going to read it. What version are you reading out of, Bob? Or who's reading it? Hebrews 11. But Bill, what version? Uh, I'm sorry? New Living. New Living. Listen to it. I like, I like the New Living translation on this, but listen to what it's saying. Read it kind of slowly, Bill, okay? Because I want you to... I want you to key on some words faith is not that slow. okay sorry not that slow. <laughs> okay. all we need is comics tonight that's all we need all right hebrews 11 verse 1 faith is the confidence okay stop it stop right there what is faith confidence it's confidence people say faith was blind pie in the sky no it's confidence it's assurance i know that i know that what I believe is going to happen. That's what faith does in the life of a man or a woman. Now listen, it may not happen exactly the way I think it should. But it's confidence that God is going to take care of things. Are you okay? 
So go ahead, start again and just read through. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Read that sentence again, please. Faith, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. What's faith? The confidence that what we hope for really is going to happen. Today, tomorrow, next month, next year. God's timing. The way we w- see, God's never early, God's never late. But we stand in that faith. We know it's God, and we stand in that faith that it's actually going to happen. Continue on. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. It gives us assurance. God, I don't see it. How many ever had the whole world fall apart in front of you, but you still had peace? I've had everything fall apart, still have peace. Why? It's called faith. I'm assured that what I don't see, I'm going to see. And I'm going to stand in that confidence. So continue on. Bless you. Verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Close the book and go home. It's telling us it's confidence and assurance. And you can't even live for God without it. So doesn't that take us to the place of understanding, I better do something about this thing called faith. I better start living in it. Living in it. And it's really not that hard. If God said it, that's it. That settles it. See, there's an old bumper sticker, and how many remember the bumper sticker? God said it. Let I me let me it. let me write it down here. God said it. God said it. I believe it. That settles. How am I doing? You got it. That settles it. Okay, I believe it, and that settles it. How many ever saw that bumper sticker? Oh, yeah. Can I tell you something? You can scratch the middle one out. It don't matter if you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. That's called faith. See, the believe part, that's where you and I have our problems. Because remember what belief means? Three words. Or mean the exact, come from the exact same Greek word. Belief, trust, and faith. Belief, trust. That means if I believe, that means I trust. That means I believe, I have faith. That means if I have faith, I have trust. I believe. That means if I have trust, I have faith and I believe. This is the problem I have. Is our expectors not not working? And we need to realize if God said it, what else matters? This is what faith really is all about. Taking God at His word. We're going to get into Abraham here in just a minute. Abraham, living very well-to-do life in Ur of Chaldees. There's no recollection that he has anything to do with God. But all of a sudden, God speaks to him and says, leave everything and follow me. How many remember those same words given out in the New Testament? What was the guy's name that came around and said those all the time? What was his name? Oh, 
Leave everything and follow me. I have a God, you know. There's that belief problem. We have a hard time believing. Brandy, I need a microphone. There. Real short. God's the, God's the creator, and if we work in that belief system, we're co-creators with uh -huh. God. And just something real simple, like I want, and, and this is materialistic, but I have some really old, ugly couches, and I, uh -huh. I want new couches. Uh -huh. And so I'll, I'll just, I just said this to, within the last two weeks. I believe God's going to provide new couches. That's it. Uh -huh. There's, that's it. I, you know, I give it to God. Oh, I've got two offers from two, two different sources for new couches. Praise the Lord. Because they're, you know, and they're a lot better shaped than the ones I have. Just a simple, so, simple example of, even though it's materialistic, no, I it's gave not, it to but, God. But what happened I gave it to is God. you believed, I but believe then you 100%. stepped out of that belief. Okay, yeah. and you started looking around, didn't you? I didn't you? know. You I did didn't not, know. No, people, I didn't even ask. Okay. It just got offered without me even saying anything okay. about my couches. Did people know you needed couches? No. Nobody knew anything? No. Well, praise the Lord. God just showed up. We have a belief problem. God said it. That settles it. And that's what we have to come to grips with when it comes to faith. Amen. Well, well, God, well God, how's it going to happen? What's that have to do with belief? God, you know, well, somebody's just going to show up and give me couches. Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. Okay? He didn't say how he's going to do it. People say, well, you know, I've got to get a better job to get better money. Why don't you work better on the job you're getting? Then you might get a raise. Oh, I'm meddling now. I made a statement on, on Sunday that kind of raised some eyebrows, you know. And I want to say it again. If you're a Christian and you're working for somebody and you're not working optimum, they should fire you. Am I okay, Michael? They should fire you. You know why? You're throwing the, nam the name of the Lord under the bus. Well, Pastor, you don't understand who I work for. Quit your job. Work for God. You see, the problem we have, we work for the wrong person. Right. I work for a tyrant. Jesus is a tyrant. See, the Bible says we're supposed to work as unto the Lord. You want to change the boss, you've got to change the employee. Whoa. <laughs> okay, I'm meddling now. I'll get out of that real quick. But think about it. Think about it. We have a problem with our belief. So faith is a confident assurance that the thing we hope for will happen. We stand in that assurance and we understand that if we do not stand in that, we can't even please God. It's impossible to please God. Say amen, Steve. Good. It, you can't do it. But look what happens when the belief part, God said it. Okay, God, I'm not sure how this is going to happen. I erased it too soon. That settles it. Look what God says. At the end of this verse in chapter six or chapter one or eleven verse six. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God's got rewards. God's got plans. God's got purposes 
but we have to have the, per, the pursuit. You see, we're saved not because we earn our, our salvation by works, but because right standing and righteousness is given to us in exchange for faith. We feel bad sometimes because we're not just standing in faith, and this is what we must do. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Who has that? Titus 3, 5. Over here. And then whoever has Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, get ready. And I didn't give somebody, uh, honey, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, Titus 3, 5. Okay. What's it say? He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He saved us not because you are good looking. Not because you're just a good person. He didn't save you at all because you're good. You see, Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people live. Okay? He didn't save you because you were good. He saved you because he's merciful. I got one half of an amen out of that. That's why he saved us. Not according to works of righteousness that we had done, but because of his mercy. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none can boast. None of us can boast about it. God saved us by grace through faith. And what happened the minute you got saved? How many got saved and looked in the mirror and you, your whole face changed? Some of us did. Now, I don't mean we got good looking if we was ugly. I'm not saying we got skinny if we wasn't skinny. And I'm not saying that we got the other way if we were the other way. What happened when you got saved? God did a miracle. What did he do, honey? Okay, you're supposed to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is He made you a brand new person. Now, there's some people that they get saved and their whole countenance changes. I remember when I was a young Christian, I'd only been saved a short amount of time. Man, I was telling everybody, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I know some of you are saying the pastor hasn't changed, has it? I haven't been saved long. That amen came from my wife. I haven't been saved long enough for this to get boring yet. Okay? So uh, I, was, I was witnessing, and I was, I was at a table, and I, uh, most of you know I came out of the entertainment business, and I had, I had, well, maybe some of you don't know, I had records playing across the radio stations in America, and I had records on the jukebox and stuff like that, and so I was having lunch with a disc jockey that used to play my records. And... Uh, his name was Doug Wood, and I remember, to, I remember just like today, I was talking to Doug, I was sitting there telling him what happened to my life because everybody was freaked out that Tim Masters walked away from his career, gave up everything. So I was telling Doug, I didn't give up anything, Doug. I just gave it back to the one who gave it to me. And so I'm telling him, and I, you know, I don't, I'm just excited about Jesus. I'm just talking, you know, just kind of like I do today. I'm kind of still excited about the Lord. And across, we were in this restaurant, and across the room were some people sitting. And you, when I, we were sitting there, all of a sudden, they came up and they meandered through the restaurant. 
It was a big restaurant. They had to go out of their way to come to my table. And the, the, the woman that was there said, you just glow. What is it about you? Now, I'm a young believer, and I, you know, I should have started sharing Jesus. I should have, I should have just got up and excited, said, it was Jesus. You know what I told her? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what I told her. I, said, I don't know. I, I, and, but the reality is there was, there was a newness about me. And I'm still kind of that way. I kind of, you know, I get excited talking about Jesus. I, you know, I was at that same grocery store. And all of a sudden, this woman came up to me, and her family's going through some stuff. And she said she came to our church once a long time ago. And so why'd you stop coming? She said, I don't know. I shouldn't have stopped. And, blah, blah. and she was just, and I said, well, can I pray with you? So right in front of God and everybody in the middle of the grocery store, we grabbed hands. And how many know that pastor doesn't have a soft voice? <laughs> I prayed. And all of the store was listening. And that was okay. You see, I still have that excitement. Well, pastor, how do I get that? Well, you get saved first. That's a good start. But you're a new creature. Old Things are passed away. Mm. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm good enough. But by grace, through faith. So let me take you back to Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Who has that? Romans chapter 4. Jack? Okay. We're going to talk about Abraham. Now, Abraham... This was before the Bible talked about faith that we know today. Did you know the Bible talked about faith with Noah? The Bible talked about faith with Adam and Eve. It didn't use the word faith. It used the word believed. Remember that word believe? What's it mean? Faith. It means trust. So, listen what it talks about regarding abraham romans 4 what then shall we say about what shall we say that abraham our forefather according to the flesh discovered in this matter if in fact abraham was justified by works he had something to boast about but not before god okay so let me stop you there so remember it's by faith therefore we can't boast what is the Word of God talking about here in Abraham? Now, you can go back to, Roman, to Genesis 13 and find the record of this. I think it's Re Genesis 13. You can find the record of this at that, the, that uh, we're referring to here in Romans 4. He said, if it was by works, if it was by the flesh, Abraham could boast. But it had nothing to do with flesh. It had nothing to do with works. Continue on, Jack. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. What, what, what did Abraham do? What did he do, Jack? Oh, he believed. Abraham did what? And what happened? And it was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis, Revelation, same story. God said, just believe. It's not rocket science. We, oh, I've got to figure this faith thing out. 
No, you don't. Just walk in it. You just walk in it. You get involved. What Abraham is basically doing, referring to believing, thank you, Jack, God said, I credited righteousness to him simply because he believed. The same thing God does for you. What you and me, what Abraham is basically doing is the same thing that you and I have to essentially do. What did Abraham do? I left your notes. Look, Abraham threw up his arms, said, God, I can't do this. And God said, about time you figured that out. So God did something that you and I can't do. And I want you to underline this in your notes, please. He put assets into Abraham's account. And those assets were righteousness. Those assets were grace. Those assets were belief. Those assets were hope. Those assets were victory. Those assets, i be careful. <laughs> I'm going to get my tongue all tied around my... You know, you ever get your tongue tied around your eye teeth and you couldn't see what you're talking about? Some of you will get that when you leave here. Next time you go to the dentist, ask him about your eye teeth. Okay? Uh, Lenore. Okay. Yes, we do need that faith to believe. And once we do it, I feel that many times then we have questions on our own, like saying, asking ourselves, do I have enough faith? Or another one is, um, is my faith going to be strong enough to save me? Amen. And what are the answers to both those questions? The answer is yes. We'll get into Romans 6 here shortly. And the Bible says God gave every one of us the measure of faith. What does that mean? Wherever you are in whatever you're doing, if God is first in your life, He gives you the ability to do it. There's what belief, faith, trust. Abraham threw up his hands and God said, Good, I'll take it from here and put into his account goodness, righteousness, faithfulness. This is why we must understand that righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. There are two things that we need to look at and understand how much we have received freely from God, and we find them both recognized in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Who has it? Romans 1, 16 and 17. Uh, Julie? Right there in front of you. Uh, Lavelle. Lavelle. Julie. Julie, Lavelle, Lavelle, Julie. There you go. What For version are you reading? New King James. I ask the version sometimes because it might read differently than the version you have. So it doesn't make it good, bad, right or wrong or anything like that. It just makes it it's a different version. Now, if you come here with the new Queen, the new Queen James, we got a problem. Pastor, is there such a thing? Yes, there is. It's called the Queen James Bible. It's a very ungodly book out there, but it's still out there. Okay? Romans 1, 16 and 17. Go ahead. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed through faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Where does the righteousness of God come from? Faith. God gave it to us. God said you have to take it by faith. 
Uh, I read last week where, where uh, Alan Redpath in his book, I think it's Blessings Out of Buffetings, uh, I don't remember which one of his books, just a great author. If you want to read a good Christian book by Alan Redpath, he's got several of them. He said that at salvation, everything that heaven has is ours, but we will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ we reach out and take. So what's the first thing that God talks about in this scripture in, in Romans 1, 16? Talks about justification. Talks about being justified. This is one of the most important terms in Christian doctrine. It is a word with legal overtones, which simply means having a right standing with God. Literally, if you were in a court case, this is where the judge would throw it out and you would be acquitted. That means you would be esponged of all of your records. That means that you would be acquitted of all the charges. That means you would be as free as could be to run. To run hopefully to God and with God and in God. But that's what it's all talking about. Okay, this is what, this is what justification means in your life and in my life. A different version of the Bible says that Abraham was justified freely. Okay, so the, some would say that the word could possibly be translated immunity, that that's a better word. What does that give the, the understanding of? When I look at immunity, that means almost like I can't sin anymore, but yet we do sin. Would anybody here agree with me? Okay, good. I want to make sure that we all knew we have issues. Okay. We do make mistakes. But we have to understand is our past sins are just that. I'm in your notes. They are past. They're under the blood. And what does that literally mean? We have been justified. Okay. Uh, Sarah McCabe, give me Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We have been justified. Okay. My wife read a moment ago, we've been given a new nature. We still deal with the sin nature, but we have a new nature in us that battles and overcomes the sin nature as we believe, as we by faith. So listen to what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And then I'm going to break it down because I want us to grab a hold of the understanding of all that we're talking about. Go ahead, Sarah. Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this is, this is a pretty interesting passage. I have been crucified with Christ. How many ever looked at crucifixion? Did you ever see anybody that lived after crucifixion besides Jesus? Crucifixion means you be dead. You get crucified, you're done, over. Paul said, I'm dead. I'm crucified with Christ. What is he saying? He's in Christ. What is he saying? I'm crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Because we have renunciation now once we go through 
I've given up my choices, my rights, my life to live His life. I have been crucified with Christ. Let me put it simple. That means it ain't about you anymore. Now that's not popular preaching in today's society. We want to come to church and hear it is about me. How God wants to do this, and God wants to do this, and God wants to do this, and God wants to do this. Yes, God wants to do all kinds of things. But what are we doing? Are we living for Him? So listen to Paul's continuation. I'm crucified with Christ. But then he says this one three-word, what do they call it when you put three words together? They call it a conjunction. Is that what it is? I don't remember my English stuff. How many can believe that English wasn't my best class? Is that, it's called what? A contraction? Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the word nevertheless. It's actually three words, nevertheless, but if you see it written, it's all together. And they call it, a, they call it something. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's, it's a big, long word they put all together. Okay, whatever it's called. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. What does that mean? Okay. What does that mean? See, this is pertinent to the book of Romans, ladies and gentlemen. So I want us to grab a hold of it. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. It means it ain't about me. But then he says these words. Nevertheless, I live. What's that mean? Jack. We're still sinners. Good. What does it mean? This body is still alive. Okay, we're still sinners. This body is still alive. That's good. What does it mean? I'm looking for something that I just said. I'm sorry? By grace we're saved through faith. Nope, I said it just a minute ago. We're still sinners. Our body's still alive. Derek became a new creature. All good, but it's going the wrong direction. Remember I said, it ain't about us anymore. Paul said, nevertheless I live. I still think it's about me. How many have that problem? Go ahead and lift your hand on us, people. I still think it's about me. But what does he do? Well, I'm going to give you revelation to this passage, just one little verse. I didn't have to do anything else. I could just camp right there on that one verse. He said three words that nullified everything about him. He said, yet not I. What did he say? He said, it ain't about me. I want to make it about me, but I ain't going to let it. See, God said it i got to put it back up there. I need to get new pens. Will you, will you order new pens, honey? Or somebody, whoever does this. You, I think you do. Or maybe you do. I don't know who does it. God said it. I believe it. 
That settles it. Okay. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Then he says, yet not I. And I think the NIV says it. Thank you, Bob. The NIV says it that way. I think some other translations say the yet not I. Okay. What, who just read it? You just read it. What did yours say? I have a crucif- No, you didn't. Sarah said it. What did yours say? Okay. I no longer live. Okay. I no longer live. Okay. Well, Paul is saying, okay, I'm crucified. I'm dead. Okay. God said it. It ain't about me anymore. Okay. Nevertheless, I live. I'm having a problem believing this. Because I'm still in control of my life. I don't care. You're the greatest Christian in town. You're still in control of your life. Don't look at me like that. No, Jesus is in control of my life. Nope, you are. Now you can let Jesus call the shots. But you're still in control of your life. The Bible says we're the ones that set our path. But God's the one that directs our steps. Yeah, I want to. I want to do this, or I want to do that. God says, "Okay, whatever you want to do, it's your crew." Remember our series we're doing on Sunday morning. Life is a journey, but we hold the map. You're gonna go the direction you want to go. See, we got a problem with this belief thing. We know God said, I've been crucified. It ain't about me anymore. But I'm having a hard time justifying that in my life because I still like it about me. Okay? God said it. I've been crucified with Christ. But we jump in there and say, nevertheless, I'm still alive. But then what we do is we've got to realize I've got to do something about this part and get rid of it. I'm crucified, yet not I. That settles it. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. I'm not going to believe about this life. I'm going to believe about Christ. I have to settle this issue. And that is all about faith. That's all about faith. What if I don't like it? There's a whole lot about this Christian life we're not going to like. I could take you back through all of Jesus' life. I guarantee he didn't like a lot of it. But he said, Father, you said it. Yeah, I don't know. Not my will, thy will. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Okay. See, this is where we have our issue with this faith thing. Whether we choose to like to believe it or not. What if God, in our faith, allows you to go through struggles? Or is God? Right there. Remember the man with the house on the rock and the man with the house on the sand? Same God. Okay? 
One made a decision to build a flighty life. But God, you're not there. Where the heck are you? The other guy said, I'm just going to stand in faith. There's a rock I'm standing on. Am I making sense? Am I making sense, Jack? <laughs> you say that so convincingly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, he does. He, but listen to it. Two guys, one chose to build on sand, another chose to build on rock. They both had their own roadmap. It was their own journey. They could choose however they want to. And guess what? God didn't hold the storm back. The same storm beat. Oh, hope nobody's over there. The same storm beat on both of them. And I guarantee if you looked at the guy whose house was on the rock, there were some shingles missing. Might have been a broken window. Might have been some uprooted trees. But the house didn't fall. It didn't fall. Why? God said it. That settles it. I don't care if I like what I'm going through or not. God said it. That settles it. Done. That's faith. I've been crucified with Christ, Sarah just read. Nevertheless, I'm still alive. I'm still wanting to call the shots. But I ain't going to do it. And look what he said at the end of that passage. I hope you guys are grabbing Galatians 2.20. Look at the, the, the continuation of that passage. Yet not I. The life that I now live. I Listen. Oh, oh you got to get this. The life that I now live. I am going to live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That will overcome this whole belief issue every single time. God said it, I'm doing it. Whether I want to or not. Man, that's good preaching. Is that the difference between soul and spirit? Okay, let's talk about that just for a quick second. Put your microphone up. Oh, I just read, I said it again already. That difference. What is the difference between soul and spirit? Oh, we're going to get theological now. Hmm. It's a huge difference. What's the difference between soul and spirit? Bill? Okay. 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 Mind, soul, emotions. That's soul. Spirit is spirit. Okay. Can I tell you what the Bible says? pretty much the same thing see we are a spirit we have a soul but we live in a body the soul i call it the faculty of knowing it's our senses it's our ability to comprehend okay the difference between the soul and the spirit the soul wants to take you to hell the spirit wants to take you to heaven the soul it's all about you the spirit it's all about god how simple is that? The body, it doesn't give a flip. It knows it's done. It's just, it's just, just a dirt case that you're in. We're going to have a new body one of these days, but right now, the soul 
Banana peel to hell. See, that's the nevertheless I live part. I wish somebody say amen. Will you say amen, Steve? Come on. D, shout amen there. Okay. Yep. That's, how many, when God tells you, love your enemy, how many want to jump on that bandwagon? Oh, yeah, come on, I want to love my enemy. No, you want to your enemy. No, maybe. Do good to those that despitefully use you. How many want to jump on that wagon? Bless those that curse you. You see, your soul's saying, do I look like an idiot? What are you? But your spirit says, nevertheless, not my will. See, that's why Jesus in Gethsemane said those words that we love to use as our cop-out. Well, you know, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Don't you ever credit something to you that Jesus said. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. Jesus could say that and understand it. We use it as an excuse. I want to qualify that. Our flesh is always weak. Our spirit is always willing. I think Jesus is a different category. Can somebody say amen? Okay. So the reality is our soul doesn't want to live for God. Our soul wants to watch those movies that we shouldn't watch. Our soul wants to do those things that we shouldn't do. Our soul wants to say those things that we shouldn't say. Our soul wants to be those things that we shouldn't be. Our spirit says, I'm trying to hold you back. But I can't. Because God gave you a free will. Am I making sense tonight? How many can say this is good preaching? Okay, five of you. That's pretty good. I want to take you, I want to take you someplace because the Bible tells us that we have been freed from sin. What does that mean? When, when, when the Scripture says here to Abraham that it was credited to him for righteousness, it goes on to say, blessed is the one who God does not impute sin. What does it mean to be free from sin? Does it mean we're never going to sin again? Or does it mean that we now have the ability to stand against it? Remember Galatians 2.20? I'm making a choice. I'm going to live for the one who died for me. So I'm going to take you quickly, and I want to I give some scripture, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try really hard to not interrupt anybody, okay? I want uh, uh, Brandy, read Proverbs 20, verse 9, okay? Uh, 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 Courtney, read Romans 3, 23. Uh, uh, Steve, give me Matthew 5, 21, and 28. Uh, I just got a lot of scripture here, so... Proverbs 20, verse 9. Go ahead and read that. <laughs> Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Who can say I have made my heart clean? That I am pure 
from sin. You and I can all identify with the honest reality that we still make mistakes. Am I right? Can we identify with that? Okay. The enemy would like to use that as a condemning point, but God uses it as a strengthening point. Okay? Romans 6, we're going to get into that here in a couple weeks, and we're going to get into more depths when we finish this part two. The whole next series stays in Romans 6. Part three of this series will stay in Romans 6. Okay? Because Romans 6 is one of those catalyst passages of the book of Romans that really helps us to see the victory we have, yet the battle we face. Okay? Which leads right into Romans 7, which, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. But look what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 18. He says, He has been set, we have been set free from sin and have become slaves under righteousness. So does that mean that I don't sin anymore? What does it mean to be set free from sin? I go right back to that Galatians 2.20. It's the whole yet not I. Okay? 1 Corinthians 5 tells, or 10 tells us to cast down imagination and every thought. Sin is basically defined as, as thoughts, as ambitions, as desires. Anything that takes us away from God is defined in sin. You can read the book of Exodus. We go through the whole Ten Commandments, starting with the 20th uh, chapter of, of Exodus. Go through that. But the Scripture in the New Testament says it's not just the physical act, it's the mental-emotional desire that can lead us astray. Yet the Bible says we're set free from sin. Why do I still sin? Because we still live in this flesh. Three weeks ago I talked about the human condition. I talked about this issue. So this is why we still have the struggle. Okay? Talked about soul and spirit. If this body died, the Bible says the soul and spirit lives forever. But it says, Know ye not whom you yield yourself servants to obey, that's whose servant you are. When your spirit is yielded to serve Christ, then guess what? You're going to live for God. But when your soul is yielded to serve the flesh, what are you going to serve? The flesh. So we have this, this conflict going on every single day of our lives. So the Scripture tells us that we have to cast down those imaginations, cast down those desires, cast down those... You say, well, Pastor, how do you do that? This is going to be deep. Ready? When those thoughts, ambitions, desires, activities come up, it's, I don't know if you're handling this. Ha, ha, ha. 
It's not that easy. It is that easy. Amen. When you stand up, everything falls down. Amen. It is that easy. No. Oh, yeah, but I got these, these desires pulling at me. Don't pick up a bottle. Pick up a phone. Call somebody. Don't go to the bar. Go to somebody's house. A friend's house. Say no. Pastor, folks, I can try to massage it. I can try to manipulate it. I can try to, to make up something. But Paul said, yet not I. You know what he said? I ain't going to do it. Amen. My flesh wants to. God said not to. Who am I going to obey? Who am I going to obey? I have the opportunity to sin every single day. I have the same temptations, the same stuff that you have. Every single day. You know what the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews? Jesus did too. He was tempted just like you and me. Yet without sin. Not my will. No. I've been set free from sin. Literally set free to not sin. The only person that sins is the one that chooses to. pastor it's not that easy how many saw the speed limit sign going down the road if you're going slow enough to read it was there somebody holding a gun on your head when it said 65 to go 75 when it said 25 to go 45 oh oh i'm meddling really good now aren't i who had the choice? Okay, I, I know I, you say, Pastor, you're oversimplifying it. Am I really? Am I really? Romans 3.23, who has that? I do. Go ahead, read it. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Okay? Every person has that's born has an inerrant nature to sin i got lots more scripture i can give them to you if you'd like them okay we cannot help but sin because it's our nature to do so a bird does not have to be taught how to build a nest to keep her eggs warm what's a bird do it builds a nest it's her nature to build a nest a baby does not have to be taught to be selfish and demanding it is that person's nature it comes naturally. When you mess up, guess what? Nobody taught you how to do that. We can blame anybody, but the truth is we make a choice. Okay? But we were created, we were not, excuse me, we were not created to be sinners or to be sinful. We're born sinners, but we were not created to be sinful. We were designed by God in His own image. I, I, I put down Romans one twenty seven, but we don't have 
time to read it. I got a lot of scripture here, okay? Humanity is God's own masterpiece. You and I, don't look at your notes because this isn't any notes. This is extra stuff, okay? We were designed to live in fellowship with our Creator. That's the longing. When we know there's something more to life than living and dying, that is that desire that God placed in our spirit. Our spirit is always crying out to God. It doesn't want to be separated from God. But because of sin, the Bible says we cannot enter into God's presence. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself the sin of the world. He took upon himself all of it. And by taking the punishment of our sin, he canceled your debt and mine. The debt that was owed to God was canceled when Jesus took it upon himself. And he told us all we have to do is by grace through faith, call out on the name of the Lord and we be saved. But he did even more. He reversed the curse of that old nature. That old nature that still wants to do wrong. God said, you don't have to do it anymore because now you have new blood in your veins. You've got a new spirit dwelling within you. You've got a new hope, a new plan, a new purpose. I might start preaching pretty soon. <laughs> Say, Pastor, why didn't you put all that in our notes? I don't have room, folks. I only have three pages to put there for you. Okay, let me go on here. He reversed the curse of the old nature, which is what keeps us enslaved to the sinful passions and desire. Before a person meets Christ, we're enslaved to the sin nature. But at the moment, I'm preaching, please. At the moment, I mean, I'm teaching, sorry. I'm, I'm teaching. Okay. At the moment of conversion, say that with me. At the moment of conversion, we were given a new nature. And that new nature has freed us from sin. At the moment of conversion. That's why when I get into Romans 6, it's going to be revolutionary and revelationary. Sin. Verse 14 of Romans 6. Write this down. We're going to get in Romans 6 in a couple weeks. Verse 14 says, Sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, you're under grace. To be free from sin means that those who have been made, who have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior are no longer enslaved to sin. You and I now have the power through the Holy Spirit to say no. You didn't have the power before, but you do now. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have the power to say no. Just like we once followed fleshly desires, those who are in Christ Jesus now follow spiritual desires. The Holy Spirit but because we live in a fallen world and we still are fleshly creatures, we still make mistakes. But those who follow Christ, 
do not sin as a lifestyle choice. I have people get mad at me. Well, Pastor, I'm thinking about moving in with this girl. Oh, so you want a free ticket to hell, do you? (laughs) Pastor, you can't say that. I can't. God said it. Am I not supposed to be speaking as the oracles of God? Well, you know, I don't believe it. I think I scratched that part out of it, didn't I? God said it. That settles it. Steve? If they get married, if they ask Jesus to forgive them. But if they die in that relationship, oh, but God understands, really. His word says Jesus died and told us to go and sin no more. Uh, Gina's husband. Uh, Carlos. Well, you're supposed to tell them first they're sinning. Okay? And then we, as James chapter 5 tells us, restore, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 6, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Okay? Considering yourself. Okay, well, what's that mean? Oh, that's a whole new topic. Why did you have to bring that up? That's a whole new topic. Yes, you, rest- you tell them, guys, that's wrong. Yeah, but, but God understands my heart. What did we talk about last week? The heart's wicked above everything. The heart doesn't want to do what God wants. Okay? So, what do you do? You First, you stand up and say, guys, that's wrong. That's wrong. Okay? So, you know, people get mad at me. I have this little saying. Some do, some don't, some will, some won't. Next. Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, I'm glad I came tonight. This is good stuff. For those who live in Christ, do not live a sin lifestyle choice. Those who have been born again, they received a new new nature. The old nature drew us towards self-pleasure. The new nature tugs us towards holiness. To be free from sin simply means... We no longer, it no longer wields the power it once did in your life and mine. The stranglehold of selfishness, greed, and lust has been broken. Freedom from sin allows us and, uh, to offer ourselves as a willing slave to the Lord who continues to work in us to make us more like Him. I have been crucified with Christ. It ain't about me. Nevertheless, I live. But I want it to be about me. Yet not I. Not my will, but thy will be done. That's why the life that I now live in this flesh, I will live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? That was good stuff. Anybody learn anything? If you're like me, you can say... I got a lot more to learn, Pastor. Let me take you back to your notes so I don't leave you hanging. 
because I've been spending that time. Paul's whole book, a whole point in all of Romans, is that right standing of God can never be based upon good works because no one is ever good enough. Right standing with God comes through recognizing our total helplessness and trusting completely in the Lord for his forgiveness and his strength. Abraham, why this man? Because he represents the very best of the best of religion in this world. Even the father of, of the nations, which is what Abraham means, father of many nations, he did not earn favor with God. He was justified. He was acquitted. He was made righteous because he believed. Belief is an action word. He lived the life. He dedicated the life. He committed the life. That's what faith is all about. Did I do okay explaining that tonight? Any questions before we dismiss? You guys okay if I ask you questions and get you involved? Or how many would rather just me stand up here and preach the whole time? You like asking questions? You like getting involved? Good. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Help us, Lord, to realize the yet not I has to become the life that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you some homework. Go home and read Galatians 2.20 and put your name right in the passage. Amen? God bless you.